Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today for our podcast. This morning, we're going to be kicking off our series on Rooted and discussing the importance of making sure that we dig deeper in 2024. We would love to have you join us in person at either our 9 o'clock or 1030 service. But thank you for tuning in today. God bless you and listen in. It's a better morning than that. Good morning, New Life Church. That's a little better. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you think it's possible for us to get so caught up in the idea of marriage that we forget to love our spouse? Like we get so caught up on paying bills and making sure the kids are at all the 50,000 sporting events that you guys as kids play now. (laughs) Mowing the grass, going to work. We get so caught up in the idea of marriage that ultimately we forget to love the person that has been yoked together as one with us. Is that possible? Would you guys say that's possible? Let me answer, yes, it is. Now let me ask you another question. Do you believe it's possible to get so caught up in the idea of Christianity that we forget to love the Lord? Like we just go through the motions, we come to church on Sunday, we sing a few really good songs. Our worship team's talented, aren't they? These are good people, man. They got a gift. They've got more talent in their pinky than I've got in my whole body. Amazing. But we can get so caught up in the idea that we're a Christian and that we go to church, so that must mean we're a Christian. And I raised my hand one time, so I'm a Christian, that we forget to spend time with the Lord. My prayer for this year is that when we look back at the end of 2024, that this is what we say. The beginning of that year, it was tough. There were some difficult seasons. There were some things that we weren't expecting. It was, it was hard. But look at everything that God has done. I feel very strongly that God has given me a word for this year, and it's exponential growth. And exponential growth can be both good and it can be bad. I mean, I don't know if you've been by my house lately, but the weeds in my flower bed, that's exponential growth of weeds. That's not a good thing. Well, my prayer is that we have exponential growth in our relationship with the Lord and with one another like we've never had before. Amen? Listen, we can have the best of intentions sometimes and totally miss the mark. Anybody ever had good intentions about something and just blown it? Man, I know I have. There was a pastor one time that he wanted to have a cool analogy to set up his sermon. And so he brought in four jars, similar to the jars that we use for candlelight. And he had a worm in each jar. In one jar, he had it filled with alcohol with that worm. Worm was dead. Next jar, it was filled with cigarette smoke. Worm was dead. The next one was filled with chocolate syrup. Worm was dead. The fourth jar, though, was filled with fertile soil. And the worm, man, he was growing and thriving. And this one LSU fan in the back of the room stood up. He said, 
Preacher, I know what you're trying to say with that. He said, really, what is it? He said, as long as we're smoking, drinking, and eating chocolate, we won't have worms. Everybody say, miss the mark sometimes, right? Y'all bow your heads. I want to pray for you. You may need to pray for me this morning too. I know it's twisted. God, we thank you so much for this place. God, I thank you for these people. But God, most importantly, I thank you for your word that we don't have to wonder how we are to live this life. But God, you've given us very clear instructions. But God, most importantly, you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So today, Lord, I pray that we make a decision to turn from that, to repent, to humble ourselves, to pray, and to seek your direction and guidance. And Father, I'm praying that 2024 is the year that we look back upon and we said, you know what, we grew deeper that year than any year that we've ever been here. So God, would you bless this time? Would you be with our people? It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want you to pretend this morning for just a moment that you were one of the original 12 disciples. One of the original. Now, I know we're all called to be disciples today, but for just a moment, you're one of the 12. You're sitting around the table with Jesus. You just finished a meal that would be later known as the Last Supper. You're still trying to chew on some of the statements that Jesus made. Like, I am in the Father and he is in me. Still trying to digest exactly what it is that Jesus was trying to tell you. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, rise, let us go. You walk out of the upper room through the streets of Jerusalem, headed to the Mount of Olives where you would spend the night. And on the way to the Mount of Olives, Jesus stops in front of a vineyard with a trellis with vines, grapes growing through it. And Jesus makes the statement for the first time that we read about in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, the main, throughout this chapter, the main theme and focus we see is the importance of fruitfulness. Let's go to verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain. Everybody say remain. Remain in me as I also, what? Remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, what? Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, what? Remain in me. You think he's trying to get a point across here? He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You know, remain is repeated over and over and over. As a matter of fact, it's five times through two verses of Scripture. The disciples, they know by looking at this grapevine that if at any point one of the branches were to be cut off, it'd stop producing fruit and wither up and be useless. But Jesus' picture, his, his picture is very clear. And because of its importance, he actually repeats it again in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's almost as if he's saying, okay, guys, listen. 
Everything that I've been teaching you, everything that I've been preparing you for, you've got to get this. You've got to understand. You have to remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Now remember, Jesus has just told them in the upper room that they would do greater things than he. He just told them this. I want to give you a little bit of a side note here. Sometimes people get caught up in the scripture and think what Jesus is telling them is if they don't work their way to heaven, then he's, they're just going to be sent to hell. Can I just tell you right now, that is not what Jesus is saying here. You cannot work your way to heaven. Did you guys hear me? It is not based upon the work or the works that we do. No, what Jesus is saying is if you think you're going to do it on your own, Whatever it is that you think you're going to accomplish, however great you think that it is, it's useless. You can just pick it up and throw it in the fire because it's worthless. Sometimes we need to take a moment to just push the reset button. Anybody ever been there? Like you've been trying to do the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results but getting the same. That's actually, I believe, the definition of an insanity. But the first of the year is such a great opportunity for us to hit the reset button. It's time for us to make some decisions that we're going to stop allowing the world to determine our lives. We're going to stop allowing what's going on around us to rob us of our joy. And we're going to hit the reset button. This morning, my prayer is that some of you hit the reset button. Now, we can have superficial changes. You can, you can buy a new car. You can buy a new wardrobe. You can just wake up one morning and decide you're going to wear skinny jeans. I mean, if Jonathan ever shows up in skinny jeans, y'all better pray. <laughs> skinny jeans and cowboy hats don't go together. That just doesn't happen. But that's not the kind of change that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a superficial change. I'm talking about a supernatural change. Are you guys with me? Because if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God expects us to be fruitful. He expects it. As God's child, he expects us to produce fruit. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples in verse 8, he says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, this is where we sometimes get it mixed up because we want to produce fruit so we can show how great we are or how much we've accomplished or how hard we work. But what does Jesus say right here? He says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. You know, in the book of Luke, we read another parable that Jesus, is teaches, that Jesus teaches us about the importance of being fruitful. Now, you need to understand, too, that this parable, it's following a couple of national events that's, that's just recently happened. Pilate slaughtered some people, and he's used their blood as a pagan sacrifice. And a tower had fallen and killed 18 people. 
You know, in situations like that, I have the tendency to want to know why sometimes. Has anybody ever been there? Like with a terrorist attack or a diagnosis or a passing of someone, sometimes I just want to know why, God. Well, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, God doesn't answer the question of why or why it happened. But, just, but he does tell us the reason that it didn't happen. It wasn't because of their sin. He's very clear. It didn't happen because of their sin. No. He doesn't tell us why they died. Instead, he forces us to ask a far more important question of ourselves. And that is, where would you spend eternity if it happened to you? Come, Jesus, come. Today be the day. Because it might be today. What if it was today for you? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you would spend eternity? Listen, you need to rest assured that there are some questions that, well, you may not have the answer to. And our faith, it is a journey. It's not a destination. We had more water baptisms this past year than we've ever had in a year time. As a matter of fact, we had more water baptisms this past year than we've ever had in two years combined as a campus. We had over 100 water baptisms. That's, empower that's, that's powerful. Only God can do that, not a person. Not a person. Not a building, not a name on the front of a building. Only God can do that. But you need to understand that God is not the author of your chaos. Some of you are a little chaotic around the house, right? Especially with toddlers. Anybody have toddlers and it's like a little chaotic around here? I mean, our granddaughters can come over for like two hours and we'll, they'll leave and we'll look at each other and go, what just happened? Like a tornado came through the house, right? Young families raising kids. And I realize that life can get a little chaotic at times. But don't take for granted the small things. Don't forget how far God has brought you. How far he had to reach down from you, before you. Because I'm telling you, he's not the author of your chaos. But he can take a tragedy every time and he can turn it for good if we'll let him. Let's look at the book of Luke, chapter 13, if you've got your Bibles. Now, the fig tree in this parable is actually symbolizes the nation of Israel. And the fruit always symbolizes an outward evidence of what's happening inside. But if you look at Luke, chapter 13, verses... I love hearing these pages turn, by the way. Luke 13, verses 6 through 7. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man, who took care of the vineyard? For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? No fruit. Cut it down. <laughs> Listen, if you're saved, the hand of God on your life should be visible. Our fruit should always bring glory to God. You know, um, I had the privilege yesterday of speaking at one of our members' celebrations of life. Um, he went to be with the Lord this week. 
And I know as a pastor, you're not supposed to have favorites. Um, but he was my favorite. Kind of like grandparenting. If you're a grandparent, you're not supposed to have parent, favorite grandkids, right? All y'all know what I'm talking about. I got grandkids. Y'all may not admit it, but y'all all got one. I, it was um, Mr. Davis, Fabron Davis, was 93 years old. And I got to go and, and hang out with him a little bit this past week before he passed. And, man, he was, he was one of those guys that on Sunday morning when I was standing on the patio, that's one of my favorite things to do is stand out there. When it's a little warmer, man, come on, we need some better patio heaters. Come on, Byron, we need to work on that. It's cold out there. But one of my favorite things to do is, is say hello to the people that are coming in. Mr. Davis had a very unique way when he walked on that patio <clears throat> to usher in joy. You ever been around someone that just, you just, you're just a better person when they leave than you were before they showed up. You know what I mean? He was one of those people. He just, every time he comes, oh, Pastor Tim's going to be a good day. He'd tell me that every Sunday. And usually I was greeted with a hug this past week when I went by to visit him. I walked in, he went, oh, he hugged me. I bent down, and as I finished hugging him, I started to stand up, and he grabbed me, and he pulled me back in, and he hugged me again. I'll never forget that hug. It was almost as if he knew it was going to be the last time he got to hug my neck. But we sat, and we laughed. I don't know how long we got to spend there, an hour or so. And we laughed for probably 75% of the time that we were, we were hanging out. Man, he's just telling stories. This guy, 93 years old, he saw a bunch of life, right? I mean... Told me about picking cotton as a kid growing up. And he was so proud. At seven years old, he picked 100 pounds of cotton one day. I'm like, 100 pounds of cotton in a day? He's just, just an amazing man. He was married for over 60 years. And I asked, I asked him a question. I said, Mr. Davis, out of everything that you've learned in 93 years of life, out of everything you've learned, What's the one most important thing that you've learned in 93 years? I didn't know what he was going to say, right? I mean, anybody married over 60 years, you got to have some wisdom there. I thought he was going to say, yes, ma'am. I mean, that's what most people tell me. But he didn't hesitate. He went from laughing, and he got serious. He looked me in the eyes, and he said the word. This. In 93 years, the most important thing that he learned was the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. This guy, it was visible. It was obvious that he was a man of God. He ushered in the presence of God everywhere he went. He just was filled with joy. And I asked him, I said, Mr. Davis, how did your relationship with the Lord begin? And what he told me, I think someone needs to hear today. He said, you know, Tim, my relationship with the Lord began because of a lady that sat behind a piano, took time to share the Word of God with me. I thought it was very important to acknowledge the fact that it wasn't a preacher. It wasn't a pastor that stood behind a pulpit. It, it was a lady that played the piano. And I picture her as this kind of quiet person playing the piano. But she took the time to share the truth and the Word of God with him. 
He was later baptized in a muddy pond at the age of 12. The reason I think that's important is because God wants us to grow our roots deeper, not just for us, but for those that we get to come in contact with. You see, had she not established a relationship with the Lord, then when the opportunity presented itself, she wouldn't have been able to share the truth about God with this man that ended up living 93 years, that had an impact on so many people, and I didn't find out until yesterday that he was instrumental in launching and building two churches. One of them now has multiple sites. He made the first donation to a church. He showed up every day when they were building that church. He wasn't a builder, but he showed up. He was a servant of the Lord. Sometimes he was sweeping the floor. Sometimes he was putting fire block in. And that church grew. They added on. They ended up launching other churches in other cities. That's fruit, guys. That's fruit. But don't dismiss the part of the story where it was the lady behind the keys. God's called us to grow deeper in our relationship, not just for us, but for those around us. Amen? Listen. Fruit is always the direct result of the root. What are you rooted in? Luke 13, 8 through 9 says, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. What if this is the year that God's saying, I'm giving you one more year? And I hope this motivates us a little bit. What if he's saying, I'm giving you one more year? You got the tools, you got the resources, you got the opportunities. I'm giving you one more year. It's time for you to produce the fruit that I created you to produce. You know, I, I use this analogy with a friend of mine. I don't know where John's at. He was here earlier. A year or two ago. <clears throat> but it reminds me, if you've ever seen a boat that sets in a slip for very long you know, below the waterline, and I may have shared this with you guys before, I'm sorry if I have, but below the waterline, it begins to build up this corrosion. You know, above the water, everything is shiny and new and clean, and people are in and out of the boat, and they're having fun, and they're playing music, but below the water, there's this algae, this junk that's growing beneath the surface. And for a season, you can get away with it. But if that boat sits long enough, eventually it's going to eat through the bottom of that boat. And eventually it's going to start leaking. The problem lies when we only stay surface level with our relationships, with God and with each other, that junk continues to grow. But I'm going to tell you what breaks my heart. is usually you're not expecting it when the leak happens. And when that leak happens, that boat is going to sink. And when that boat sinks, it takes everybody on board with it. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the boat that you're, cap that you're the captain of has more people on it than just you. So if you think for just one second that, oh, my decisions are only affecting me, you're stupid. Because they're not. They're affecting everybody around you. Your family, your friends. The people that your kids, man, the people that love you, 
You go, well, Tim, man, I, it's, it's nasty. Yeah. Every boat that sets for a while is nasty. But guess what? They make some great cleaning devices now. They make some great cleaning devices for our life, too, and it's called the Word of God. And he sent the best solution. It was his son that died on a cross for you and for me. And if you think, well, my sin's just too great, it's just too big, you don't know what I've done, you don't know the mistakes that I've made, so you're saying that he should have hung on the cross a little bit longer for you? He should have shed a little bit more blood? No, he went all out for you and for me. Somebody say amen. This is good preaching, y'all, and I ain't that usually that, that usually doesn't happen. There's a tree that's called uh, a shepherd's tree. It's found in Africa. The root system grows over 230 feet now. But you know, it's not, it's not the tallest tree. No, the tallest tree is the redwoods. Now, yes, it's important that our root structure go deep. And this is what I mean by that through this series. As we grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. But God's plan for us is, is to grow up as well. No pun intended. The reason that the redwood trees are able to grow taller than any of the other ones, though, is not just because the root structure grows deep. It's because their root structure is intertwined. And it supports one another. Now, if you're so prideful to think that you don't need people around you, you're wrong. There's going to become a time in your life that you're going to need people around you. And you're going to need people around you that don't just tell you what you want to hear, but they tell you what you need to hear. And I pray that you find those before all the junk that's below the surface makes its way to the top. And that boat goes down and takes everybody with it. You see, in Genesis 2.18, it says... He tells us it's not good for man to be alone. Do you know the first problem that God addressed was not our sin? first thing that he addressed was our solitude. As long as a tree is alive, it's growing. And God expects us to be growing as long as we're alive as well. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear. <clears throat> when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Listen, you need to know when you go through difficult seasons that God hasn't given up on you. And some of you feel like that God should have given up on you. You feel like I can't hear him. You know, I pray some, and I don't really hear him. I know this, this whole Christian thing is kind of cool, I guess, but I just, I just don't know what to do. Can I tell you that God hasn't given up on you? If you go back to verse 8, so, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. He's saying, I'm going to be patient with you for one more year. But this is your year to get the roots right and get the fruit going. 
listen. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for God's patience. Anybody thankful for God's patience and God's grace? Man, he had to be so patient with me. I don't know. I'm not the oldest campus pastor. But I'm close to waiting the latest to start. (laughs) I'm definitely glad that God was patient with me. He had to be. You know, when we come in on Sundays, we spend a lot of time in prayer. Many times we come together as pastors around the state, 18 different campuses, pray and we write collaboratively sometimes. We ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We share what God's speaking And a lot of time in prayer to come here on Sunday. And when I step on the stage on Sunday mornings, I look back and there's a clock back there that starts counting. And I know that I've got around 30 minutes to deliver a message. To some of you that maybe it's the first time you've been in church in a really long time. Or maybe you've You've been in church every Sunday, the majority of your life. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, just anoint these words, just speak through this message. And that clock just keeps ticking. In fact, it's over 29 minutes now. You know, I've often wondered how You can summarize someone's life at the end, at their funeral, at their celebration of life. How do you summarize somebody's life in 30 minutes? Because that's about how long you typically have to share their story, no matter if they've lived five years or if they've lived 95 years. And it's really hard to do. It's challenging. There's no way that you could hit on everything. But I can tell you the common denominator in every family that I sit down with and I meet with before I do a service. Out of all the achievements, all the years, all the ball games, all of the anniversaries, when everything is said and done, it all comes down to one decision that they want to know about every time. Every time. Hey, the family called me last night. It was kind of late, about 8 o'clock. I was on my way up here. They said, hey, we got somebody that just wants to talk to you. And so they put the phone on speakerphone and the family was all together. And they thanked me for, for sharing the story about the lady behind the piano. They said, he told us stories all the time, but that was one story that that he never told us. And out of all the stories that we celebrated Mr. Fabern's life, that one meant the most. 
my time's up. My 30 minutes has passed. You know, I don't know how long God will allow me to stand up there and teach his word to you. I don't know. I hope it's a really long time. I don't know. And I'm going to keep doing it as long as he allows me to. But let's just be honest about something for a minute. As your pastor, there's a very good chance that I'll stand behind one of those podiums and I'll have about 30 minutes to share with your family the life that you lived while you were on this earth. Somebody in this room right now. Unless God calls me home before then. And if so, (laughs) I'm out of here. But I'll have about 30 minutes. I may have the opportunity to sit down with your family. I texted a friend of mine this morning. He's never been in this church. I don't know if he's ever been to a church. Maybe he has. Man, I love him. I love him a lot. And I asked him that same question. Because I don't want to go to heaven without him. He's getting some years under his belt. What about you? Let's just let's just cut through all the smoke screens. Let's let's peel back all the the layers and let's just get gut level honest for just a second. What about you? Am I going to be able to look your family in the eyes and say, you know what? They may have made some mistakes. You know what? They may have been successful at work. You know what? They may have built a lot of things while they were here. But I'm going to tell you what they built. They built a relationship with the Lord. And you can lay your head down tonight and rest it assured that they are going to spend eternity, eternity with our Lord and Savior. What about you? Please bow your heads. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week. 